Good evening. It's good to be here this evening. I think I know most of the faces. I don't know if I can put names to close to everybody, but I know a lot of the faces. So it's good to be here with you tonight and to share with you. Um, we have, I don't, for, for the sake of you that don't know, we have four children, um, ages 18 to 12, and in between. I won't say exactly because I'm not sure I'll get it right. But anyway, they are at... Uh, at our church this evening, several of the youth are sharing from a mission trip that they had done, and so they wanted to hear that. So they're there this evening. But this evening, I want to share with you from Proverbs. If you want to turn to Proverbs with me, Proverbs 1 through 7. And uh, something that I like to seek after and want to be and am far from is to, be, is to have wisdom and to have godly wisdom. And uh, as I was uh, studying and preaching for through this, I don't know how you guys do it here, but at, at church we usually pick a book of the Bible and preach through that. And uh, so we have pretty wide latitude what we want to preach. And, and so I, wisdom is one of my things that I'd like to seek after. So what, what, what a better place than go to Proverbs. You know, Proverbs is good. So I did. I took about, actually it took almost a year to preach through Proverbs 1 through 9 and then verses or chapters 30 and 31. So I didn't get near all of it. But once you get past chapter nine, there's it's there's not much order to it. Uh, it's good 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 information, but not not very easy to preach from. So I want to share with you uh, this evening from Proverbs one, and and one of the things that really stuck out to me as I was studying Proverbs, and one of the things that, uh, and I'll share this a little more in detail, is that God wants us to know who He is, and He wants to share His wisdom with us. He doesn't hide it. He doesn't, and He doesn't. You know, we often hear we often hear that God speaks in a still small voice, but if you read the Proverbs, it's not very quiet. It's pretty plain. It's pretty blunt. Puts it right there, and that's one of the things that I've I've, I've learned to appreciate is that God tells it how it is. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't say, "Well, maybe if you do this, maybe this will happen." He tells us exactly how it is, and I, and I appreciate that about Proverbs. And so I want to look at Proverbs one, verses one through seven. And I'll, I'll read it first, and then we'll come back to it. So, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. And as we look at this, basically the first seven verses here tell us what the Proverbs are for. It says, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion, a wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb, an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, and I think there's many Christians today that are seeking wisdom. But the question is, where do we get that? And as I was thinking about this and studying on this, you know, there's, there's thousands of articles, thousands of books and with the computers that we have and Google, we can find so much information about any subject that we want to. Probably more, well, I know there's more information than we can ever process. Um, there's more information out there that we can ever uh, read in our lifetime. Um, but yet, for some reason, it seems like godly wisdom is missing. There's all this knowledge, there's all this information out there but yet it seems like godly wisdom and godly knowledge is missing. And it's not saying in any way that th these tools are, 
are illegitimate. I, I, I use them a lot. There's a lot of authors that I like to read and, and there's a lot of insight that we can get. But if that's the only place that we go for our information and our knowledge, uh, we're going to be led astray. Pretty sure of that. Um, you know, many people, it's interesting, we, we do this with, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many of you, you know, I, I like to eat. And I was, if I could just find the right diet plan, it would work. Where I could still eat and lose weight at the same time, I'd love it. I haven't found that yet, but I keep looking. Um, but we do that sometimes with, with wanting to follow God. We, we want to find this perfect plan. If I could just find the, if I could do these three easy steps and, and you'll have the perfect Christian life. And we keep looking for that. We keep looking for it in books. We keep looking for it in people. Um, and it's not where we're going to find it. Where we're going to find that peace is going to be in God's word. Um, you know, if I could only find the right book or the right program, I'll have victory and I'll, I'll, I'll live that dream Christian life. That's really what we, what we want to live, right? We want to live that where just everything goes right. We know we're in God's will. We know everything's perfect. And uh, we, we, if we just find the right program, and we could find that Christian dream. But you know what so often happens is that that Christian life dream is so often it's the American dream. Have you ever thought about that? That's the perfect Christian life is the American dream. And, and so often that's not what God tells us it is to follow him. It's not the American dream. So as we look at this, as we look at godly wisdom, um, and as, as I somebody put it this way for godly wisdom, says this is instruction on how to carefully consider all circumstances and possible consequences of how we live our life. Let me just read that again. Instruction on how to carefully consider all the circumstances and possible consequences of how we live our life. And that's really what we need. We need that godly wisdom to look at our own lives and to see what are all the, all the possible circumstances and possible consequences of how we're living our life. And godly wisdom helps us know how to do that, helps us know how to use God's word to carefully inspect our own lives and then be able to see all the possible consequences of both in this world and eternally for our actions, whether good or bad. And that's one thing I love about the Proverbs. They tell us exactly how it is. We don't have to beat around the bush or wonder, I wonder what God thinks about this. He tells us uh, very plainly. And so we have here a book that was... It's called the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. And it helps us, as we read, it says to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom. And Solomon has always intrigued me. And I've always wondered, so why did he, when God came to him in a dream, why did he ask for wisdom? What, I mean, what was his, why, why was that, uh, what was it, what was, what was the, where did he get that, that he wants to, to ask for wisdom? And as I was studying through Proverbs, um, I think we, I, he tells us very clearly uh, where he got that from. And I've been intrigued with that question. So if you want to turn to Proverbs 4 with me, we'll go there and we'll see where Solomon got the idea to seek out, to ask God for wisdom. And, and it's interesting, I'll just, won't turn to it, but in 1 Kings... When Solomon asked God for wisdom, he asked it very humbly. This is what he said. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me servant king instead of my father, David. But I am a little child. 
I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? He came very humbly to God and said, look, I'm like a little child. I need all the help that I can get. And so as we look at Proverbs 4, verses 1 through 9, it tells us, it shares with us, Solomon tells us where he got this to ask for wisdom. And this is Solomon speaking. He says, hear my children the instruction of of a father and give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, David, his, his father David, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your word, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth, do not forsake her and she will preserve you, talking about wisdom, love her and she will keep you, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom and in all you're getting get understanding, exalt her and she will promote you, she will bring you your honor, she will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. So wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. That's what his father David was telling him. So when he had the, the, the opportunity to ask God for anything, he, he followed his dad's advice and got wisdom and asked for wisdom. And we have another example and we, and we, we, we know what happened. <laughs> he became wise, wiser than any. Um, he wrote all of the Proverbs. We have all these wise sayings for us to hear. But let's, if you, um, you can turn to me if you want to, the Hosea 4, 1 to 6. But I'm going to read it too. We're going to look at an opposite example of King Solomon and what he asked for. Hosea 4, 1 to 6. And I'm reading out of the New King James this evening. Hear the word of the Lord, people of Israel. For the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. So he's talking to his, his people. He's talking to the people of Israel here. He's talking to his own people. And this is what he tells them. There is no truth, no faithful love, and no knowledge of God in the land. Cursing, lying, murder, stealing, and adultery are rampant. One act of bloodshed follows another. For this reason, the land mourns and everyone who lives in it languishes along with the wild animals and the birds of the sky. Even the fish of the sea disappear. But let no one dispute, let no one argue for my case is against you, priests. You will stumble by day. The prophets will also stumble with you by night and I will destroy your mother. My people are destroyed for the, for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I will reject you from serving as my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your sons. So we have here the people of God. And there's all kinds of things happening there. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. So what kind of knowledge were they lacking? They were lacking godly knowledge. And notice it doesn't say they were lacking that godly knowledge due to ignorance. It says, because you have rejected knowledge. Sometimes I think 
You know, we think that people just don't follow Jesus because they don't know about him. If we would just tell them about Jesus, they would follow him. But there's many people that reject Jesus. Don't want anything to do with him. Matthew Henry says this about this. He says, the reason why the people did not learn and the priests did not teach was not because they had not the light, but because they hated it. Not because they had not the ways of coming to the knowledge of God and communicating it, but because they had no heart to it. They rejected it. They desired not the knowledge of God's ways, but put it from them and shut their eyes against the light. And then he says this, those that rebel against the light can expect no other than to perish in the dark. And these were God's chosen people. And they thought they knew God. Yet they were being destroyed because of their lack of knowledge of God. You know, we say we believe God's word, but yet many times we don't take the time to read it. We don't take the time to study it like we should. So often we go by what other people say about it. Go by what other people say. And we're not like the Bereans that listened. We need to do that. We need to listen. We need to hear good preaching. But then we need to go and to look at the Bible, look at the scriptures and see what our teacher says is true. And it's always easier to find somebody to, to teach what we want to believe. Whatever we want to hear, it's easy. You can find whatever you want to hear. You can find somebody that's going to teach it. That's not going to be hard to do. Um, so we need to make sure we're listening to good, sound, solid, biblical teachers. And remember Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. So as we go back to Proverbs 1, looking at these verses individually, there's the good news. And the good news is that the wisdom that God gave to Solomon, he wants to share it with us. He doesn't want to keep it. He doesn't want to, oh, it's just only to a select few. God wants to share his wisdom and his knowledge and his word with us. It says, Proverb 1 says, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. To know has the idea of like to know it as a fact, to know how to do something, to know wisdom, to know instruction, to perceive has the idea to, uh, to understand, to to separate mentally, and to be able to understand the words of understanding. Alistair Begg says this, he says, the Christian faith engages our mind. We need to use our mind. Um, you know, many religions tell their followers to meditate and empty their minds. God tells us exactly the opposite. He says, God says, fill your mind, renew your mind. And just a few verses to go down that road, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Peter 1, 13, and this is in ESV, it says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Preparing your minds for action. That means we need to do something. It means we don't just sit around and do nothing. 
Romans 8, 5 to 6, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 3 says, To receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, Wisdom has the idea of instruction how to carefully, and I said this, consider all circumstances and possible consequences. So many times when people do things, like, well, didn't they think about that? I mean, I could have told them that that's what's going to happen if they'd have just thought about it a little bit, right? Don't we often say that about people? Um, and how in godly wisdom is, in, is instruction in how to carefully consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Justice, instruction in what is right, and judgment, instruction in judging things correctly, and equity, judgment that is free from bias and favoritism. And that's what the Proverbs are wanting to do, to receive instruction in wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Verse 4 says, to give prudence to the simple. Um has the idea of ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason, skill and good judgment in the use of resources, caution or circumspection as to danger or risk, to give prudence to the, to the simple. Somebody said this, shrewdness to the inexperienced, to be able to understand to the young man, knowledge and discretion. It's the idea of the quality of having or showing discernment or good judgment, the ability to make responsible decisions. Isn't that what we want? for all our young people, all our old people, to be able to make good, sound decisions. That's what the Proverbs is here for. To help people make good decisions based on reason and a sound mind. And Sinclair Ferguson, he put this about the book of Proverbs, and I like this. It says, a book to know how to negotiate life. Isn't that really what we're looking for? How to negotiate through life. And Proverbs does that for us. Helps us to negotiate life. Gives us wisdom and understanding about things and as, as, as you read through the Proverbs it's amazing um, I was just so it was just good to see again that God is God is clear God is doesn't beat around the bush and I've said that many times but that's probably the thing that stuck out to me the lar- the biggest thing that stuck out to me was that God does not beat around the bush that he tells us and he wants to tell us he wants to share with us Then we come to verse 5, 6, and 7, and we see the difference between the wise man and the fool. It says, The wise man will hear and increase learning. And here has the idea of hearing intelligently, attentively, and with obedience, wanting to learn, hearing to learn. It's not listening distractedly. It doesn't go in one ear and out the other. But a wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel or good advice to understand those things that he doesn't understand. A wise man who uses his mind will get help to understand the things he doesn't understand. We're never going to figure it all out on our own. And, uh, you know, there's, there's many times I, I say we need to study the Bible, and we need to, but there's a danger in doing it all by ourselves. I've seen many good-intentioned people that will study their Bible and they start going off to the left field somewhere or right field somewhere 
and they don't listen to anybody. They don't ask for wisdom, guidance, and counsel on how to. What, 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 this is what I think it means. Is this really what it means? Is this what it's saying? And finding a good, wise person to share what you're studying with is of great importance. I think it's of great importance to uh, to do that. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs fourteen thirty three says, "Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding." And how does wisdom get into his heart? A man of understanding will attain wise counsel and good advice. You know, wisdom is not a once and done thing. It's not something that, oh, I'll read the Proverbs and man, I got it down. I'm good. I got it. I'm ready to go. No, it's not. It's a, it's, it's a lifetime of seeking. It's a lifetime of seeking, a lifetime of, of um, looking for and, and seeking after God. And it's not, and like I said, it's not something we can expect to find alone. We learn something the hard way when you can have, well, it's this way. Why learn something the hard way when you can have someone help you along the way? You know, we don't, we're not, we don't have to reinvent the wheel by ourselves. Why not learn from someone else's trials and mistakes? Why don't we do that? So often we want to do it alone and, and in the different businesses that I've worked with, I've, I've discovered sometimes it's better to just bring somebody in that has gone through it before, that has done it before. If you want to do something new, try something new, talk to somebody that's done it. It's the best way. It's usually the, we, we say, we always, uh, one business I worked for, we didn't want to pay for that advice because we thought it was too expensive. We figured out about two years later that it would have been pretty cheap. It would have been pretty cheap advice to bring somebody in that had done it before. And so often we want to go through this life alone. And we'll talk about that a little more here in just a little bit. Um, in the same way, a mentor can save you a lot of heartache and a lot of pain if you can find a good mentor. Somebody that loves the Lord and will lead you in the right direction and will be truthful with you. So a wise man will hear and increase in learning and will attain wise counsel. He'll look for good advice. But the fools despise wisdom instruction. Fools do not listen. A fool does not ask for help in understanding. Proverbs 10.21 says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Proverbs 14.8, and this is the Christian Standard Version, The sensible person's wisdom is to consider his way. But the stupidity of fools deceives them. So often, we don't want to be the fool. We don't want to despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 8, verse 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains around your neck. It's not talking about heavy chains. It's not talking about chains that weight you down. But it's talking about chains of gold, chains that will adorn you, chains that will help you. So there's two big things that I think about as we think of wisdom. As I was thinking about this, there's two things that I believe that wisdom helps us to overcome. And one of those we've talked about a little bit, one of those is bad decisions. 
You know, we all make bad decisions. But I think when we have godly wisdom, he helps us reduce those. We'll never be perfect. We'll never get it right. We'll never make every, ever make every decision perfectly. But the wisdom of God helps us see the folly of sin. It helps us see those things that, hmm, I wonder where this is going to lead. It helps us be able to see those things. Godly wisdom takes the blinders off. It helps us to see the path that we're on. And is it the right path? Where does this lead? Where does this go? Like I said earlier, many have seen someone make a decision and just shake their head and go, why, why could they not see that coming? You know, people are, they make a decision, they're just shocked at the outcome. Like, I could have told you that from a mile away. Sometimes I make decisions like that, that my wife says that to me too, maybe, I don't know. But um, when we use godly wisdom to filter every thought and action through, it helps us see things clearly. Proverbs one nineteen says this, Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we use God's word. He will light the way for us. He'll help us to see. And it doesn't say that he shines it out way out there. We can't see years ahead, miles ahead. But he's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He shows us the next step. And as you, as you read the Proverbs, as you look further into the Proverbs, if you do that, you will see that the ignorant, due to the lack of, reject of, their, due to the lack of or the rejection of godly knowledge, knowledge, walk in paths that will lead to their destruction. Bad decisions are those that don't honor God. You know, we are all human, and we all sometimes make bad decisions, but I think they'll be greatly reduced as we seek godly wisdom. Not ever to give the idea that we'll never make bad decisions. We're still human. We'll still make those uh, decisions sometimes that aren't the best. But we'll make better choices and better decisions. We see the decisions of Peter. Peter made some decisions that weren't all that great. But the more he learned about Jesus, the closer he walked with him, the less of those things that we hear from him, those, those rash comments, those rash statements that Peter was making, the more he knew Jesus, the closer he got to him, the less we see of those happening. And as you go through the Proverbs, you'll also see that it's all about decisions. Wisdom and godly knowledge help us make good decisions. Not perfect decisions, but good decisions. They help us make good decisions when we don't feel like making a good decision. You know, sometimes we don't feel like doing something that we know we should And the first and most important decision we need to make is to follow Christ. And you know, the big thing that tricks us so often is that the consequences for bad decisions most of the time are not instantaneous. They're not instantaneous. Those bad decisions are often the result that we finally see it is, is, is just the addition of multiple small decisions that we've made to, we decide to go this way. And we all know people in our lives that have done that. They've, they've taken small steps away from God. Um, we never fall away in one big step. Um, and, and since the consequences aren't immediate, so often we think, oh, well, that was okay. That was, a, that was fine. I did it. 
Nothing happened. But the person who habitually makes bad and evil decisions is going to pay the price for those decisions. Whether it's here, on this side of heaven, on this side of the judgment, or on the other side. So, wisdom helps us to make wiser decisions, better decisions. And as we look at the Proverbs, we see those, and so often we see as we look at those and we, we look at life around us and even Christians around us, we see them making those decisions that don't follow what so plainly Solomon shares with us in the Proverbs. And the second thing that I think wisdom helps us with to overcome, helps us overcome is fear. You know, we're not, a, not, a, not to base our faith on feelings. Feelings come and go. And most fear from lack of understanding. Most fear comes from lack of understanding. Somebody has said this, fear comes from a lack of knowledge and a state of ignorance. The best remedy for fear is to gain knowledge. And the more we know about what God has done for us, the more we know about how God designed everything, the less fear that we have. The knowledge that God shares with us in his word is our biggest weapon against fear. Knowing the story from creation to revelation helps us overcome the fear of this world. You know, the world feels like it's in chaos if we don't know the story, if we don't know the story that God has put in place. And one of the things that I, one of my examples that I give for this, where knowledge helps us overcome fear and I don't know what you, what you know this by. I know it by the Sears Tower. Back in the day, it was called the Sears Tower, and it was the Willis Tower. Now I think it's, I don't know, I think it's got a different name now. I'm not sure what it is. But I don't know. Have any ever been on that glass floor, that little glass bubble that steps out? There's a big... How was that for you? Did you step right out there and get on that thing and go, Woo, this is great. You know, you see people looking at it, and they try to step out there. It's a, if, if you don't know what it is, it's, it's, it's like a... I don't know, it's a pretty good-sized area, probably about as big as this platform up here that sticks out the side of the building, and the floor, everything's glass. The floor, the walls, the ceiling, everything's glass. So you step out on that, and you can see straight down. It just feels like you're in the middle of nothing. And there's some people that are scared to stand on that. And it's, it's interesting to watch people, and it's interesting to coach people. I had to coach somebody to get on there. Um, took a little bit. But, you know, for me... So I'm, I'm usually like to think things through. So I'm looking at this thing, and I, I didn't just step out there either. So I, I, just, just to put it out there, I didn't just whoop, step right out there. It's kind of a process I had to work through. So being in the building industry, I know that they're not going to stick something on the side of the building that's going to fall off. That, that's probably not going to. They're not. And the engineers that design that know they're going to get sued like crazy if something happens. So knowing engineers, they over-engineered it. Having worked with engineers, they're going to make sure that that thing's not going to fall. And so, you know, and there's been, it's been up there for a couple of years before I got there. It never fell. So I can pretty confidently reason through my fear. I, I can understand that it was, it was engineered, that it's not going to fall. The insurance company that insures the building, they're not going to insure this building if that's going to collapse. So there, there's, there's lots of money involved here. There's always So if you know there's a lot of money involved, they're going to do it right. They're going to make so that it doesn't cost them anything. So through that knowledge, through that thinking, that through processing it through, I'm going, okay, I'll, I'll stand out there. I'm still not just walking right out there, but I got on it. 
Um, but it's one of those things where as we understand, as we, as we think things through, it takes away the fear. We can do things. And I think that's the same way with life. As we know God's plan, as we understand what God has done, and we know his knowledge, know his wisdom, the chaos of the world is not quite as scary. Knowing the design that God has for this world is what gives us the power over fear. Fear of death. You know, we talk about the fear of death. Many people fear death. And what causes us not to fear death? What causes us not to fear death is to know God. To know our Lord and Savior and what He has in store for us. So knowledge, godly wisdom, helps us overcome two big things. Bad decisions and fear. And in closing, just wrapping up here. You know, after preaching through the first nine chapters of Proverbs, it was so refreshing to see the simplicity of godly wisdom. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. The thought that kept coming back over and over is that God is a caring God and wants his people to know and understand the consequences of their choices. He never hides anything from us. God never tries to trick us into becoming a Christian. Humans might try to do that. But God never tries to trick us into becoming a Christian. He fully shares the good things and the hard things of following him. Gives us full disclosure. God in sharing the consequences and the rewards of following him gives us full disclosure. You know, he says in this life it'll be hard, but the eternal reward is out of this world. And it really is. But he does tell us in his word also that we're not to do this alone. It's not a journey that we're made to do alone. And there's three things that I feel he's given us to help us along on this journey. That's his word, the Holy Spirit, and the church. There's three things that he's given us. We don't have to walk this world alone and do this alone. He's given us what we need uh, to follow him and to make it through. You know, this is the exactly opposite thing of what Satan does. He gives us all kinds of stories. Gives us all kinds of things. Um, you know, this is all there is to life. Enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it now, you'll miss out. You know, do what makes you happy. Follow your desires and you will be satisfied. But the devil's promises are all lies and sleight of hand. And tricks that he uses to deceive us. But what I love about godly wisdom, it takes the blinders off of those lies and deceptions. God speaks very plainly, very openly about the consequences of human behaviors and decisions, whether they're good or bad. He tells us very openly and very plainly. And another thing that keeps coming up in the Proverbs that really stuck out to me, there's a lot of things that stuck out to me in the Proverbs, but is the fact that Wisdom wants to be known. In Proverbs 1, if you read on a little further, um, he tells us wisdom calls aloud outside. She's not hiding inside. She's not hiding in a back room somewhere. It says wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. All those places, especially in ancient times, where the most people are, 
That's where wisdom is crying out. She calls aloud. She raises her voice on the outside, in the open. She wants to be known. God wants to share his knowledge and wisdom with his people. You know, it's interesting. Does it make us get a seven-year college degree to know about godly wisdom? You know, we'll have to go some big prestigious university or even to seminary to know godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is a lot like the gospel in that it's so simple that even a young child can understand it, yet so deep that even the most storied and studied person will never understand it all. Even in a lifetime, we'll never understand all the depths of godly wisdom. And Proverbs one twenty four also makes it clear that often the lack of godly wisdom and knowledge is not ignorance, but rejection of God's word. It says, because I have, I have called and you refused. This is again talking about wisdom. Because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained my counsel. And would have none of my rebuke because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. It's not necessarily ignorance, but often it is rejection of God's word. Mark Twain, a statement that's attributed to him, he said this. And it's true. It ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. So often that's true. It's not the parts that we don't understand that bother us. We say it is, but usually what bothers us the most is the parts that were pretty clear and we understand and we don't really want to follow them. Those are the parts that often bother us the most. Many times when people are bothered by and want a way out of God's clear commands, they look to other sources and teachings that I think often make the clear things muddy. So if you can muddy the waters, then you can get what you want. And this leads away from godly wisdom. And why is godly wisdom so hard to find? Not because it can't be found, but because the flesh doesn't want to find it. Godly wisdom wars against the flesh. You know, our current cultural society, cultural Christianity, and I don't understand this, but it says that you can have the fulfillment of the flesh and be a Christian. If you look at our, just our cultural Christianity, there is nothing that's not allowed. They say you can have it all. You can be called a Christian and you can have all those things that your heart desires. So those things that are sought, so those things are sought that give the fleshly desires a godly outer cover. We see that often. The fleshly desires and they give them a godly outer cover, just something to cover them with. And it was refreshing, again, I guess, just to see God's word so clearly spoken as he does in the Proverbs. He shares us with very clearly, very openly, doesn't beat around the bush. And if you want to know, he tells you. And so I guess I challenge you to to read the Proverbs, to to study through the Proverbs and to see, um, but not only, it's not just that he speaks plainly only in the Proverbs. He speaks, I think, fairly plainly through most of his word um, if we want to hear and to listen. So I encourage you to, to read the Proverbs, study the Proverbs, and just see again, be, be encouraged by God's bluntness, I guess I want to say, his openness. Um, he tells it how it is, 
And, and he, he tells us the good and the bad. He tells us what happens when we follow him, and he tells us what happens when we don't. And so I want to encourage you with that this evening. Why don't we stand and we'll have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you this evening for your word. Lord, we thank you that you want to share your word. Lord, you're not a God that's out there that doesn't want to be known. Lord, we thank you for your openness and your caring and your love. Lord, for sending your son. Lord, you've done so many things that you wouldn't have had to. And Lord, we thank you this evening for your, for your word. And Lord, I pray that we can read it and encourage each other with it. Lord, I thank you for the three things, Lord, that you've given us. Lord, that we don't have to, to face this world alone. Lord, we've, you've given us your word, the Holy Spirit, and the church. Lord, and I pray that as a church community, we can encourage each other and lift each other up. Lord, as we walk through this life, pray this in Jesus' name this evening. Amen.